We are holding the third Aliyah of the Parsha of Re'eh, this week's Parsha. And the third Aliyah talks about the, uh, the theme which we talked about many times, how a Jew should not imitate and copy the ways of the nations amongst which they're going to live in the land of Canaan. But here we get much more specific than we have in the past. And Moshe Rabbeinu goes into great, de- great depth and great detail describing how far a Jew should go to make sure they avoid becoming entrapped and ensnared in the allure of idolatry. I should just make an introduction. We were talking yesterday after the class. We don't understand today the allure and why people were so tempted to worship the idols of, of the land of Canaan. To, for us Americans living today, to imagine the temptation of the Jews living in Israel back then to get on their hands and knees and to prostrate before a piece of wood or a stone or a tree. Or, we, don't, we, we can't even relate to it. We can't... It's not like, I understand, like, I can relate to the desire to eat non-kosher. I don't want, but I can understand that the, we, we can't relate to the fact that a person wants to worship idols. It's so foreign to our, to our reality. And that's because the Talmud describes, the sages got together and they created a fast day and uh, they were able to use their powers of praying and fasting to literally destroy the Yetzirah for idol worship. They did the same thing for the Yetzirah for murder, and when they wanted to do that for the Yetzirah for, for immorality, the three cardinal sins, the next morning no chickens laid eggs. And they realized this is not going to work. If we take away the desire for morality, we're going to make people stop getting married and stop having children, and they had to pray again to bring back that Yetzirah. But the same way we can understand that people destroy their lives and destroy their careers over uh, sexual desires. How many politicians we know are important people that have had their lives destroyed because of it? This is exactly what you struggle with as far as idol worship goes back in those times. So, Moshe says to the Jewish people in the third aliyah, When Hashem your God will cut down the nations that are inhabiting the land into which you are coming in order to dispossess them from the land, that you should be mayrishit, you should inherit the land. That's not a technical, the Hebrew word is used in two different contexts. You will inherit their land, you will settle in their land. Guard yourself, lest you become ensnared, and you try to copy them and be like them. And you will search after their God, saying, how do these nations worship their gods? And could you think that since the nations do it, it must be smart, it must be, even till today, you have many Jews, oh, for Anandu did it, but, you know, this, it must be real. I, Anandu said the same thing the Torah says. Oh, now, now I have proof to the truth of the Torah because some uh, psychologists said the same thing. So we search after the ways of the nations. How do they serve their gods? You should know that you should not do it because Hashem is disgusted. He finds it an abomination in the eyes of God. Those who worship other idols, it's, it's hateful in the eyes of God. They, not only do they worship idols, they even burn their children, their sons, and their daughters, they burn in fire to their gods. The Kiva says he once saw Kutin tie up his father and put him before the god to be eaten by the animals, by the dogs, etc. They're ruthless. They're, they, they, they allow their gods to become the justification for the most barbaric, inhumane acts. These are things that God hates tremendously. And therefore, I'm commanding you this day that you should be careful not to get distracted. Only what I tell you the Torah to do is what you should do. You should not add anything to the Torah. You should not take away anything from the Torah. Don't think there's going to be a version 2.0 of Judaism. A new version of God. So I'm going to add some laws to make the Torah a little bit, uh, 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 an upgraded uh, version. Don't think God will take away and say, okay, the mitzvah of circumcision, the mitzvah of kosher, be tomorrow's Torah reading. 
eh, it was good in the old one, but now we have a New Testament, we don't need to do a kosher anymore. You know, it doesn't work that way. Whatever I tell you, don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It's perfect exactly the way it is, because this is the word of Hashem. And what will happen, comes along, the Torah continues, if a Navi, if a prophet, will rise up from amongst you, or a dreamer of dreams, and he will give you a sign, and he will tell you about a miracle that will happen in the future. Or he'll do a maifis, do a miracle, and he'll make something, uh, something a cure on earth. He'll turn a watermelon into a frog, whatever, you know. He'll do something really cool and exciting. And what he says will happen takes place, meaning he's not just a scam artist making stuff up, charismatic, uh, you know, talker. He's real. He says signs, and the signs come true, and the miracles, he says, they happen. And then after he's already proven, quote-unquote, he's proven his, uh, his validity by doing these miracles and these signs and predicting the future. Now he comes soon, he says, come, let us go worship other gods, gods that you had not previously known, not previously worshipped. You should not listen to the words of that Navi or to the, that dreamer. That person is deliberately trying to lead you astray. I, why would Hashem give power? Why would He give the ability to tell the future to a prophet? who's a false prophet trying to lead you to sin, says the Torah, because Hashem, your God, is testing you. Why is He testing you? In order to know, do you truly love Hashem, your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul? If you love God, then you're not distracted by other false prophets. Even if they have power, even if they can do miracles, even if they can uh, you know, uh, tell the future, it doesn't make a difference. I already have my God, I'm already in my relationship with my, with my God, and that's all that matters to me. <clears throat> and I should point out, this is the reason why Jews, I spoke about this on Monday night, why, the reason why Jews don't worship other gods or other religions is not because it's fake and they have no spiritual truth or they have no prophet. They could have prophets. And their they're, they're, you know, prophets could have walked on water and could have done whatever, who cares? We don't, that's not, we, don't need to, we don't need to fight other religions to prove that our religion is more right than yours. I'm a Jew because Hashem came to me and revealed Himself to me, and that's why I can never be distracted by other gods afterwards. We should go after Hashem our God. We should fear Him. Not only go after Him, go after Him is easy. You should fear Him. You should do His commandments. You should guard his, not only you should fear him, but you should guard his commandments. You should listen to his voice, everything he tells you. You should serve him. And to him you shall cleave. What does it mean you shall cleave to him? Rashi tells us, quoting from the Sifri, from the Gemara, that there's three characteristic traits of, of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that are unique to God. And we saw that Hashem himself didn't just tell others to do them, but that he himself did. What are those character traits? Number one is, he has kindness to the uh, people that are that, that need. He buries the dead. We see that by Hashem, when uh, Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, who buried Moshe Rabbeinu? And uh, Aaron also, he buried them. The Egyptians that were shore of the sea. Now what? The Egyptians that washed up the sea shore. Yeah, and Hashem buried them also, that's correct. That's correct, very good. And he buried the Egyptians that were washed up at the sea. Hashem visits the sick. God visited Avraham. God com- comforts the mourners. We find that when Yaakov was mourning uh, for Yosef, that Hashem came to comfort him, etc. So Hashem, what does it mean to be like Hashem? 
bury the sick, bury the, bury the, don't bury the sick, bury the dead, visit the sick, comfort the mourners, to be there in a, in a, in a, not only in a religious way, in a spiritual way. Here's another very important point. If I would tell you, be like God, what do you think that is? Be spiritual, pray, meditate, study Torah. That's not what it says is to be like God. To be like God is to show kindness, to visit sick people, to do, do the mitzvah of making a mini at a funeral, to make sure there's a com- mourners visiting the mourners in the house of mourning, etc. Anyway, let's continue. And what should you do with that prophet? That prophet, that dreamer, that person that told you the future and tried to get you to go astray and to worship other gods besides for our gods, that person shall be put to death. Why? Because he has spoken falsely and deceptively by Hashem your God, the one who took you out of Egypt, the one who redeemed you from the house of slaves, the one that told you to re- destroy and eliminate any evil from your midst. This again, as I said before, this is our God. This is the one that took us out of Egypt. And he's trying to get you to cheat on your, on, on your, on your God. You should kill him. And then the Torah continues. It says, Besides for the false prophets, there's another kind of temptation the Jews have to struggle with which is our own brothers and sisters, or not sisters, brothers, who try and lead us astray. So it says the Torah, verse 7, if anyone, even a close relative such as a brother, who is a son, even if he's only a half-brother, just a son of only your mother, only of your father, your son, your daughter, your wife, or someone who is dear to you, a friend who is dear to you as your soul, and they incite you. How do they incite you? Either in public or baseser. They come to you in secret. They come to you, that's the way they normally try and get people to... Go after Yota Sin, it's in secret. Thank you for making the minion. They come to him in secret and they say, let us go serve other gods. Gods that you didn't know and gods that your fathers didn't know. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Even the nations don't go to other gods their fathers didn't know. And they come to you in secret and say, let's go worship other gods that your fathers didn't know. And let's go look at the other deities of the peoples around us and see how they worship their gods. From the, how they worship, even forget about their gods. Let's worship gods that are, that are, that are international. Gods that are uh, you know, from the heavens and the earth. So it's not like we're going to worship an emirate god. So first they say, let's worship the gods around us. They say, oh, you know what? Let's not that. You don't want to go worship a, a Canaanite god? Let's go worship the sun, the moon, the, the items in the sky that go from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. There's nothing non-Jewish about the sun. <laughs> you know, the sun is a creation of God. The sun is, uh, gives light to the world. So they try and convince you to worship these gods that are not unique to the nation, but they exist over the entire universe. It says the Torah, lo so You must not love them anymore. Even though you have a mitzvah to love every single Jew, especially your own brother, your own daughter, your own child, your own etc. You should not love them anymore. Meaning, you have a mitzvah to hate this person who tries to sin, make you sin from God. You should not listen to him. Even when he pleads for his life, and says, save me, you have a mitzvah to destroy the evil within your midst and to kill him. And you should not show any mercy upon him. Even though normally you have to have mercy on people and not allow someone to be killed. Here you must not pity on him. You must not have compassion by trying to cover up for him from his sin. By trying to like, not, you know, not going to tell on him. I won't testify in court against him because I, have, I want to cover for his sin. In all these cases you need to have, be strong in order to destroy the evil from within you, in order to keep the Jewish camp holy and pure. When this person is found guilty, we'll talk about in a minute how he's found guilty. 
when the court will do an investigation and they find he is guilty, they should stone him to death. How will they stone him to death? They will throw him off of a two-story building. Pretty graphic, I know. They throw him off a two-story building, and if he didn't die from that, then they would throw a big, massive boulder on top of him. If that didn't kill him, then they would throw more stones. Yes. And everyone should watch and to see. For who would be the one that would actually throw the rocks or push him off the building? The one that had tried, he had tried to incite. The victim that had almost been led astray by this person trying to convince others to worship idols. He should be the one to, uh, to, to put him to death after the court finds him guilty. And all of the Jewish people should watch in order to have a deterrent not to also go after this evil behavior. And then we have another mitzvah about what's called the Ir Hanadachas. If not just that one person is privately trying to get you to commit a sin and to worship an idol, but here if you have an entire... We're not just talking about sin, we're talking about idol worship. If you have a whole city, that the whole city, the majority of the city, becomes idol worshippers, and this happens from within the city itself, meaning that the people in the city... They have to be men, not women, and they have to be local residents. And they come and they incite the public idolatries. And the people they incite are residents of the city, of the majority of the city. In that case, the Sanhedrin itself comes. It's not a regular court. The great Sanhedrin itself would come from Yerushalayim, and they would do a great investigation. So the Torah, Vidarashta, Vidarashta, they would inquire. Vidarashta, and they would investigate. Vidarashta, and they would question very, very well. Here we have three expressions. The rashta, the question, the search, the chakarta, to investigate. Hate very well. Sha'alta is not included. And elsewhere, regarding, um, regarding, um, regarding uh, a person, by, I don't remember, by, by, uh, by a person led astray. Two other places in the Torah, I don't remember the sources now. So, Vidarshra, Shaftim, Hatev. Then you have two to, to investigate very well. And elsewhere, says Vidarashta, Hatev, to investigate very well. So we put the word hatev together. The word very well is used three times. So each time tells us that all three times, both in regards to the person, the ir hanadachas, and in regards to, I think it's a person that was led astray individually. Or where, um, I, I don't remember off the top of my head anymore, to be honest. I had, it's, in, it's not here in the English translation. Um, I'm actually going to say where the other places are, but I, do, I looked it up yesterday. So since you have the word hatev three times, Hate, 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 hate. It tells us in all three scenarios, whenever you're investigating witnesses, there has to be seven different forms of investigation. If you add them all together, what was the year, what was the day, what was the day of the week, what was the time, where was the place? Seven investigations to make sure that you really thoroughly investigated these witnesses very, very well. And after you investigate them very, very well, then the entire city should be put to death. If you establish that indeed local residents of the cities worshipped idols, from within the city, the entire city is gathered, men, women, and children, animals, every living creature in that city is put to death. And then all of the wealth of the city, all the buildings, all the, all the objects of the city are brought together to the middle of the town, and then they make a massive, massive mound of all of the wealth of the city, and they burn it. And after they burn it, it becomes a tail oilam, a mound, a heap of destruction, and it will remain a source of destruction forever. Loi Yibana, it can never be, Loi Tibana, it can never be rebuilt. Never be rebuilt. Nothing that is doomed to destruction may remain in your possession. Whatever Hashem has decided to be destroyed should be destroyed in order to increase you. You might think I'm being angry. I'm being evil. Says the Torah, 
you should do this in order that Hashem will turn his anger away from the Jewish people and he will give to you rachamim, he will give to you mercy, he will be multi, he will be compassionate with you, he will multiply you as he swore to your forefathers because you stayed strong to do that which is proper and right in the eyes of Hashem your God. I was for this. Is there ever an Ir Hanadachas? Was there ever a city that was destroyed for the whole city worshiping idols? So the Gemara brings two opinions. One rabbi said this is a theoretical, hypothetical mitzvah. Torah is telling us how much that God does not like idol worship, that if a city worships idols, the whole city should be destroyed. But it never actually happened. And there's another rabbi in the Talmud who said, What are you talking about? I actually once actually sat on a mound that was the, the, the burnt pile. Of a ir hanedach of a city that had become a city of idol worshippers that had become so evil that uh, that the whole city was destroyed. So it was a debate if this ever really happened Sodom or not. And, uh, 